This is FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's Place to Talk. Hip, hip, hooray, let's give a cheer. It's 9 a.m., the signal's clear. Our favorite host is in the chair. The Truman Show is on the air. It's The Truman Show with Truman Jones. A look at the politics, news, sports, and people that are shaping Rutherford County. The Truman Show is on the air. The Truman Show is on the air. Now from Adams Place on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS. Here's Truman Jones. Good morning, Rutherford County. I have my old buddy Thomas Booker on, and he's got his baseball shirt on, and I didn't know that they had Major League Baseball in Portugal. <laughs> Why are you wearing a Portugal uh, baseball <laughs> uniform? Portugal? Yeah. I thought P stood for Philadelphia. Oh, uh, oh well, it could be Pittsburgh. <laughs> it could be Pittsburgh, too. Yeah. But the maroon's kind of a dead giveaway, especially when on the back it says Schmidt. Mike Schmidt. You ever heard of him? Great third baseman and hit more home runs than any third baseman ever. You think he's the best ever? I think so. Probably if so. You, if you put them all together, there's nobody better than Mike Schmidt. I think he was 10-time gold glove. Yep. 10-time all-star. Led the National League in home runs eight times or something. I mean, he was, yeah. Who was the best shortstop? Uh, ever? Ever. Honus Wagner. Okay, how many home runs did Honus hit? Not many. I think See, his lifetime batting average was like three, I think it was 327, 328. First player, no, second wait, player. To get which 3, uh, shortstop hit the most home runs? Whoever? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I guess you could say Alex Rodriguez. No. But he was also a third baseman. No, no. What? Go back to Chicago, Chicago Cubs. Oh, Ernie Banks. Ernie Banks. Yeah. You an Ernie Banks fan? I liked Ernie Banks. When, whenever a Major League Baseball player, when he goes out in the field, he he would always say, "Let's play two. He, he love baseball the game. was his number one love, and 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 I think we miss that a lot of times because they were just in it just for the game. And he played on some bad Cubs teams. Yeah, he did. Some very bad Cubs teams. I think he had 512 career home runs. Yeah. But two-time MVP. But he doesn't get the credit he deserves, in my opinion. He, he never did. And why the media was never treated him the way he should have been treated. Do you think it was because of uh, playing on those bad Cubs teams? Mm, that will hurt you some. Yeah. But uh, uh, I, I just loved his, his thought process and – and he could hit one a mile. Uh, he, he was unbelievable. He's my all-time favorite Cub. You didn't act like it. <laughs> I might wear Ernie Banks next time just to honor him. Well, I, I think that would be good. You see, you've already – how many shirts have you gone through I, since you've been on our show? I've probably got 300 so or 400. So, well, How not, many times have you been on my show? A bunch of a times. A whole bunch. I've wore Brooks Robinson, so wore Reggie Jackson. I've worn Mickey a couple times, worn Ken Boyer. I don't know. There's a bunch. Catfish Hunter. I like wearing one each time. We can kind of talk about them, you know, briefly. Yeah, because uh, I think Mickey was your very first one. I think Mickey I th I tell you what, I think Christy wore Mickey on the first show ever. Okay. And I think I wore maybe Stan Musial for Dan Whittle. Yeah. I had to wear his favorite and wear your favorite, or, you know, she wore your favorite. Yeah. Just to be fair. Well, you know, we go through stages. Now, I pretty much stayed with Mantle ever since I first saw him play, which was back, I was probably 11 or 12 years old, I guess. But uh, the, my very first ball player that I liked was Ted Williams. Did not know that. Ted Williams had... Uh, he had the perfect baseball swing. I mean, the man was unbelievable. Last one to hit 400. Sure. And But, you know, uh, Williams said uh, when Mantle was uh, in, in that big streak of hitting, I believe it was the 1956, and, 
and uh, during that period, he uh, he said Mantle will hit 400 if he stays at it. And of course, his injuries just built pretty up. much took him down. Ted but Williams knew baseball. Yes, he did. Great right fielder for the. And you know he was one of our war heroes in in World War Two also. And Korea. Yeah. He was in both. Money meant something to baseball players back then, but it was uh, all encompassing. I mean, they put their country first. The, the biggest thing, yeah, was they had that patriotic spirit, but uh, they also loved the game of baseball. And I agree. You you don't ever. The good thing about it is, it's like the Peter Pan theory. You never grow up if you're a baseball player. You you stay the same, except for the monies. Monies is the worst thing that ever happened as far as the attitudes of athletes in today's world. Changed a lot of their attitudes. Yeah. When I was in Pittsburgh a couple of weeks ago, I saw two players for the Pirates sign autographs in three days, and that was it. You're kidding. No one else. But see, the commissioners put those nets up, so it's kind of hard for fans to interact that way as well. Yeah. They consider themselves elitist. Uh, a lot of them They're do. above everybody. A lot and, of them and, do. Uh, and when you have athletic ability – uh, it, it, it's it's just strictly in that particular era, and and why people put them up on a pedestal. I love uh, Mickey Mantle. I love the way he played the game and everything. But I'm not going to put him up on a pedestal because he was not perfect, and nobody is perfect. No, you're exactly right. Yeah. That's what Misty Lane's even said in the past about you know Harmon and stuff. It's just it's kind of sad people do that. But if I had to put someone on a pedestal. I'd rather put someone from that era on a pedestal versus someone from this era. Oh, yeah. Not that there's not good athletes today. There are good athletes, and they probably get criticized more than what they should because, you know, with the with the way the rest of the athletes kind of carry themselves. Do you think that when the, we went through that drug period where uh, players were trying to enhance their abilities to play, and, and it did enhance their abilities to play, I, I I think that uh, there was something about that time that seems to to uh, taint baseball. It changed it. I mean, it it, it was worse than uh, going all the way back uh, when um, some of them were caught cheating back sure. in those days, and um, it it changed it. It, it, it saved it changed it. your attitude. It, it does. I think baseball hurt from the strike, which that was all about money. But then when the strike, you know, was over with and the players came back, I mean, baseball was hurt. Of course, steroids were already in the game, mm-hmm. but they were continued to be used. And, I mean, you you saw numbers in the mid to late 90s of players yeah. hitting home runs. Brady Anderson in 96, I think it was, hit 50, leadoff hitter for the Orioles. And he had that one season where it's like, what in the world has happened? Yeah. And, you know, it, 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 it changed it. It ruined it. It did help it a little bit, but, you know. Sad thing about that whole area is the commissioner and everybody else knew the players were doing it, and no one did anything to stop it then. It wasn't until after McGuire and Barry Bonds, you know, hurt the home run record and all that that, you know, they started doing the drug testing. But the home run doesn't turn me on. I'd rather see someone hit for average. If you could give me a player that could hit for average like Kirby Puckett, I think he's lifetime 318 hitter. I like the average because not everybody can hit the ball for average. Yeah. They can hit the home run or strike out, but, you know, the average is just more impressive in my opinion. Well, the the home run is one of those things that energizes the fans. It does. And, and unfortunately, during that uh, era where people were hitting the home runs because they had been taking the steroids. Sure. Uh and it was making money for baseball during that time, so oh, that's what it, that's what it's all about is the money. If if they could just go back to a, um, a better time, sure. I mean, we used to love to go watch baseball games here in the country where it'd be Kittrell against uh, Milton or something, yeah, or, or or something like that, and saw some really good uh, ball players and. They were not all young. I mean, some of them would be in their 30s and 40s, and they just didn't want to give up the game of baseball because it was, it was such a pure game, they a pure could still sport. Bring it. 
Yeah, I mean it. It was uh, it was special, and um, you you know it wouldn't hurt my feelings at all if somehow sports would no longer be on television, and people could go out to the game and take their kids and grandkids and 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 stuff like that and enjoy a, a, a day out at the ballpark. Sure. I, I miss that time. But, you know, it's just gotten so expensive now that a lot of people really can't, you know, afford it. Well, you can. I mean, you you well, go to ballparks all across the country. and Not having children. If, if I had your money, Thomas, <laughs> I, would go to, uh, I would go to three or four games a, a week. I really would. Not having children helps. Well, I guess I mean, it, it does get expensive, but, you know. I guess between that and knowing the right people, sometimes you can, you know, able to see certain things. I guess normally you wouldn't be able to see, but I just go to the game for the history. I could really care less about who's playing. I mean, like I told you, we were in Minnesota a couple weeks ago and saw the Oakland A's destroy the Twins. I think everybody is this year. And then we saw the – I was in Pittsburgh a week and a half ago and saw the Cubs play three games against the Pirates. Of course, the Cubs swept the Pirates, but – um, and that owner Everybody for the Pirates, the Pirates, well, he's not committed to winning. If Barney Dreyfus was still alive, the original owner of the Pirates, he'd roll, or he'd probably die a second death seeing how his team's just been running the ground the last 40 years. Yeah. But I didn't even pay attention really to the game. I mean, my buddies and stuff were following it, but it was just more, I guess, I enjoyed talking about the history of the game. And people sitting around us, you know, love the history of, you know, Pittsburgh. And it was just, you know, I enjoyed getting to talk to him about that and, Meeting people, walking around the ballpark. Uh, Manny Sangian sells barbecue in the outfield there at PNC Park, so he's out there selling barbecue. And, you know, he's kind of undershadowed as a catcher because he had Johnny Bench in the National League in the 1970s kind of, you know, running the scene. But Manny was a good catcher. Well, Johnny Bench was okay. Just okay? Yeah. Yeah, I I, got a friend is Church Christ Preacher here in Rutherford County, and uh, I, I asked him, he was from Oklahoma, and I said, well, you obviously know who the greatest player was from Oklahoma, and he said, Johnny Bench. I said, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> Not Mickey Mantle? He didn't have a clue. <laughs> I, thought, I don't think he ever heard. You know, that's the trouble with today's announcers. They know, they have no historic presence whatsoever they really don't no i was uh and the ones that do get fired uh, of course i've I've done away with all of my uh tv sports and everything i don't have them anymore and i'm glad i don't have to listen to the rhetoric that they put out It, it doesn't have anything to do with the game but they were picking the greatest uh the 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 players who have set records in the major leagues and the ones that would never be surpassed. Uh, I think they got one right, in my opinion. <laughs> but uh, What's that? Uh, Joe DiMaggio, they got him right. Yeah, that'll uh, never happen. Yeah, his uh, consecutive hits. Pete Rose came close. He was yeah. 44 games, I think. And he was so mad when he... And, and it was against the Braves, wasn't it? It was against the Braves. That uh, he, he didn't get his record... But which one would you say is the one record that nobody will ever beat? I think there's actually several that nobody's ever going to beat. I don't think there's one that nobody will ever come close to. I mean, you got some weird stuff like, you know, Cy Young with the most wins. No one's ever going to surpass that. Walter Johnson's got 110 career shutouts. Pitchers this day and age are babied so much and pampered in their diapers. Taken out in the fifth or sixth inning. Yeah, Yeah. so that'll never be, you know... I don't know. What do you think? I thought you would get it. 400 hitter? No. There will probably be a Never strikeouts again as far as 5,700 and however many Nolan Ryan had? Nolan Ryan's strikeout record. Oh, no. It won't ever happen. Yeah. And they may never get his, uh, 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 let's see, he's got, uh, I think, seven no hitters. I believe seven no right. hitters. I mean, I'm not sure anybody will ever break that. I don't think you'll have that either. I agree. Yeah. It takes but you take special. a pitcher that's got has got two records that will probably never be broken. He was the most amazing pitcher I ever saw. Wins and shutouts, I don't think will ever be you know surpassed. Yeah, and he never was on a good team. Who's that? Nolan Ryan. No, he wasn't. Talked to my buddy the other night, and I didn't look up his stats, but 
I was thinking he led the league in ERA back in like 1987, but he went like 10 and 16 or yeah, something. Yeah. I mean, That's just unbelievable. Astros were that bad. Yeah. I wish he could have <laughs> played on a, a a top-notch team. There's no telling how many games he He did won. win a World Series. Yeah. Yeah. On the amazing Mets, yeah. or Miracle Mets, excuse me, in 69. But you're right. I mean, yeah, he just never really had anything. Some of those Angels teams in the 70s were, you know. If you had one team to pick in what year, uh, the year that they were so good, which which team would you select? As far as, like, best team of all time? Yeah, and what position would you want to play? Oh, Lord. Well, if I played the position, they wouldn't be that good. So I mean, if you had that just – could I be the, bench, could I be the bench coach? Huh? Could I be the bench coach? No, no, oh. no. I tell you, as far as in my life, the best team I ever saw was the 1998 New York Yankees. You never saw the 61 Yankees, did you? Mm-mm. Yeah. That was about 22 years before. Well, of course, of course but, I never saw them, but uh, uh, the Yankees back in, in the uh, 20s. Yeah, I mean – 27 Yankees would yeah. be amazing. Yeah. They were. Ruth, Gehrig. They, they were unbelievable. Earl Combs, Bob Musial. Yeah. They had a of course great the, team. The, the baseball was not live back then either. No, it wasn't. So, well, it was live to an extent. It wasn't. When when Ruth hit it, it was live. Yeah, it was it was very live. Uh, and, <laughs> and, and, and Gehrig. Tony and, 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 and you, you talk about uh, the quality of people. When Lou Gehrig gave that speech in mm-hmm. New York, they just had it. The I still just it. Te- it still tears me all to pieces to watch it. <laughs> but 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 the attitude that he had when he had that ALS, and um, obviously he was dying, and uh, he said he considered himself the luckiest man on the face of the earth. Wow. I think it's a generation thing because yeah. that kind of speaks for his generation. That's why yeah. that generation is a greater generation, Oh, I agree. in my opinion. Yeah. This day and age, you wouldn't have no one saying that. You'd probably be very lucky to have someone even express their faith on live TV because they get ridiculed for it. Yeah. But it's Think how much th- they love kids, though. They never got away from that. No. The, the real baseball players had – an association with the young people more than any other sport. As You're as right. So who would your team be, the 61 Yankees, if you could be the bench coach? If I could be the bench coach? You know, and just be a part of the team, like what you just asked me. I, I would want to play in left field with Mickey Mantle. Would you? Yes. So as far as playing a position, who would I want to – I don't know. That's a, that's a hard question. I think in a way I kind of like the pitching – I, mean, I always admired Randy Johnson. Yeah, great pitcher. I mean, you know, I saw him play several times. Saw him have games where he'd have 17 strikeouts, you know, sitting there watching him. And, I mean, it was just how consistent he was on pitch counts and everything else. I'm left-handed. He's left-handed. So that'd be kind of cool. But as far as being a part of a team, I mean, I've got several teams I like that, you know, it'd be hard to pick just one. Yeah. Throughout the history of the game. I mean, it'd be neat to be on the 48 Indians. It'd be neat to be on the 54 Giants. Just two special teams that come to my mind. It'd be fun to be on the boys of summer with Gil Hodges. I'd like to have been playing left field when Willie Mays caught that one over his head. That's right. Off Vic Wirtz. Yeah, the first time I'd ever seen a type catch like that. Mm-hmm. See, that would be neat. It'd be cool to just go back to some of those little ballparks and kind of get to be a part of it and just, you know, Sights and smells. Yeah. Why? Why do the announcers always want to say this one is was the greatest ever, and this one, and two weeks later they're talking about somebody else being the greatest? They just, can't make up their mind. Just watch the game. I agree. I mean, I don't like opinions from anybody when when I'm watching the game. And and the last good announcer, uh, uh, other than Mel Allen, of course. <laughs> the the best announcer that I ever heard calling a baseball game was Dizzy Dean. Oh, Dizzy. That was pure baseball back then. And he was a good old country boy. And, and uh, he had the language of a country boy. And he had the language of a of a 10-year-old. He was happy-go-lucky, wasn't he? Yes, he was. He I, and Paul? Yeah. And see, you know. And you know he got mad because Paul threw a no-hitter. And he threw a one-hitter. 
And he said, if I'd known he was going to do that, I'd have thrown it over there. <laughs> I mean, it was just, just perfect. He I had think. some good comebacks, didn't he? Yes, he did. He he was special. Bless his heart. But, you know, you don't hear a lot about him. And, I mean, you look back at the Cardinals in the 1930s. I mean, that's a powerful team. Two but people World don't Series. talk about the older players anymore. I know. It's don't. almost like they're forgotten. They think that the players today are better than any other era, and they're they're totally wrong when they come up with that. So when we were in Pittsburgh, we had gone to the Roberto Clemente Museum. Great player. Great player. Unbelievable. Yeah. And, I mean, it was just – we can talk about that in a minute. But what I was going to tell you, Dwayne – the uh, curator, owner of the museum that I was fortunate to meet through Roberto's son, Luis, mm-hmm. uh, was telling me that he has a winery in the basement of this old firehouse that he's turned into the Roberto Clemente Museum. Hmm. And he invites Major League Baseball players over to, you know, smoke a cigar, drink some wine, just kind of relax. Yeah. And he was just telling me how bad Bryce Harper was. Just no appreciation for the past didn't think nothing of Roberto Clemente. Thought the pitchers, especially from Roberto's Clemente era, the 1960s, stunk. We're talking Bob Harper Gibson. Harper said that. That's what he said. Said he could have destroyed him if he'd have batted against him. That's amazing. And Dwayne just sit, standing there shaking his head like, I can't believe you're saying this. I mean, that's insulting the integrity, you know, insulting the game. He, but, had, he has a that opinion of himself is. He's arrogant. He looks He's arrogant. He plays arrogant. If he walked in here right now, I'd throw a chair at him and leave. I have no respect for him. I just think he's garbage. And well, he, but, you know, here's the thing, though, is he was pampered as a baby. And, you know, by the time he was 15 or 16, he just developed early. And, you know, he was already a first draft choice for the uh, Washington Nationals. But, yeah, he, he said that. I wish Bob Gibson or Don Drysdale would have heard it. It had been chin music, wouldn't it? It would. What well, uh, see? Juan Marichal. I see, mean, uh, Gibson had the best uh, ERA for years. Uh, in in the, and he retired with the best ERA, if I'm not mistaken. Ah. And somebody was getting close to his record. Bob Gibson's? Yeah. I don't know what it would have been. He's a great uh, pitcher for the Cardinals, of course. Oh, he was phenomenal. Yeah. And, you know, again, that's somebody, in my opinion, who's kind of, you know, underrated. I know 1968 he led the league with a 1.12 ERA. Um, but that was the year of the pitcher. So, you know, that's the year Denny McLean won. 31 30 games. games, which was uh, unbelievable. But you know who the na- the last National League player to ever win 30 games was? No. Dizzy Dean. Wow. That was before he was injured. In 1934, he won 30 games. And he he's was, the last person in the National League. He was hit by a line drive and hit him in the foot. Mm-hmm. And, uh, hit him in the toe. Yeah, broke his toe and shattered, and he never did pitch the same again. During the 37 All-Star game yeah. off Earl Averill, he was center fielder for the Indians. But those Cardinals, Cardinals teams are the 1930s. Averill. Earl Averill. Not a Earl Averill. 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 Yeah. What would I say? Averill. Averill. Well... Give me some credit. I love it when, I at least I love knew it who when he was. you say something like that. Well, I at least knew who he was. He died in 83. You are. You have more knowledge of any other I wish it paid better. <laughs> well, you, well, I'm joking. Just, just I'm mix, joking. Just mix it with being over at Woodfin's, and, oh, you're really in that high level. They let me come over here and talk on the radio as long as I talk about the funeral home a little bit. So, you know, can't go wrong with that. It's a pretty good job. Didn't, didn't, didn't we already speak about Because you did my uh, last... Uh, um, we prearranged. Well, you, you, you do... When I am interred or whatever... Buried. Yeah, you're you're uh, you're going to take care of me. I will. If I'm at a baseball game, I'll put you on ice. My kids... And come back ASAP. No, I don't want to be on ice. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, I, I I don't want 
my kids have said they're going to dress me in a three-piece suit. No, they're not. Oh, Lord. That's what I said. I've never I want a T-shirt and shorts. and um, Mickey Mantle jersey. Yeah, it he, he could be the, the number seven. And I want um, just tennis shoes on. Tennis shoes. Yeah, or whatever. You want shorts them. or you want pants? No, I want shorts on. Shorts? Yeah. No sweatpants? No. Okay. No. Shorts. Well, unless it's the winter time. Winter time? Yeah. I understand. I don't, want to, I don't like being cold. You want a blanket? No. Okay. No. I wonder if you could uh, bury me. Of course, I'm going to be right next to Jackie. Sure. Yeah. Uh, uh, you, you might have it fixed where I can reach through her casket and hold hands with her. <laughs> I Wouldn't could put you neat? on your side so you could face her. Yeah. Yeah. That that would be neat. Do you sleep on your side? When I sleep. When you uh, sleep. Uh, sometimes on my slides. Well, uh, I won't have any feeling at that time, so it really won't matter. Doesn't matter. No. I saw a beer sign in a casket one time, and it lit up. They plugged it in the wall. Oh, really? Sure enough. Could you tell me who did that? I can't remember. It was probably seven or eight years ago. Oh. But during the funeral, they had the beer beer sign on the inside of the casket. Dare to be different. You know, I was shocked coming in here at Adam's place. Did you see? Uh, what one of the uh, places that they that, uh, that's going to be entertainment for them here? Uh uh-uh. uh They're going to have pizza and beer. Oh Lord, are you yeah. serious? Yeah. I might come here after all. Well, I thought you would. That'd Man, a, that, I, I shouldn't have said that. That'll be a big draw. This place is going to be run over. People wanting to be over here. I tell you, place. if if I could have a hot dog instead of pizza, I'd for sure be here. Hot dogs are my favorite thing. I think. I love hot dogs, but I tell you. The most fun I've ever had is watching uh, Kevin Arnold at the <laughs> at the Cardinal baseball game. Poor Kevin. And uh, I told him since we were – I've told this too many times, I guess, uh, that since we were with preachers, he couldn't cuss uh, watching the game. Kevin doesn't cuss. Uh, <laughs> and, and he couldn't drink beer. He doesn't oh, drink beer. Oh, my goodness. Bless his heart. The boy was sweating. <laughs> but he loves the Cardinals that much. Yeah, that he was willing to go because we had, uh, we got to uh, eat up there uh, with all the rich folks. Oh, yeah. And we Prime had no, time. Yeah, we had those special tickets, and they told us it was 100 degrees that day, and they told us we could sit there and watch the game from up there. But that's oh, not baseball. We, we had to go down right behind uh, – where the dugout was on first base. Oh, oh Lord. perfect. So it was good seats and everything. Oh, yeah. We had... A- old Bush Stadium. Yeah. Bush Memorial. Every, we had everything but no beer. <laughs> <laughs> well, this day and age, you'll find more preachers who do drink beer, so... Really? Oh, yeah. If they're uh-huh. Episcopal or Presbyterian, what sometimes about, Methodist. I've never seen... Well... Southern Baptist, I think I do so remember one. Church of Christ, not CLC, so much. not... not yeah, it's, it's, that's rare. Well, I don't eat dessert, so I can drink a beer. What's that got to do with it? Well, I mean, dessert, too much of it's bad. You get diabetes. Huh. So, I just swap it out, you know. But I don't overdo it. Hey, when we were in Minnesota, the twins put us in the Killer Brew Suite for the game. Oh, wow. When I was with Harmon's family. Yeah. And, uh, of course, the curator of the twins authenticated the story of Kenny catching his dad's home run ball. And mm. we got to see Dick Bremer, the announcer of the twins. And we got to talk to Danny Gladden. He was the out, one of the outfielders, you know, for the twins in 87 and 91. Talked to him for a while. But when we were in the suite, of course, we had all the food you know we wanted to eat. I think I had six or seven hot dogs that night. <laughs> I bet you didn't sleep a wink at night. Slept like a baby. You're kidding. I swear I did. Yeah, you're still young. Nothing man. but a baby. What was the name of the home run hitter for the Pittsburgh Pirates back in the 50s? Uh, Frank Thomas. No, no. The original. No, 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 no. Ralph Kiner? Ralph Kiner. He was late 40s, early 50s. He played in the 50s. He did. Because I remember watching him. He got traded, I think, in 52 or 53 to the end. Well, Thomas didn't play in the 50s, did he? Yeah. He played in the mid-50s. I thought he didn't play until the 60s. Frank Thomas was on, like, the 1955 Pirates. They lost 100 games, I believe. And then what's funny is 1962, he was also on the Mets when they lost, like, 120 games. Mm -hmm. So he was on two different teams that lost over 100 games.
He's still living. Really? He comes to Pirates games up in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is a great place. Anybody who loves baseball and loves baseball history needs to go to Pittsburgh. Right on the river. I'm telling you. The ballpark is one of the best in baseball. The, 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 the fans are very nice, the few that show up to the game because the owner doesn't care about them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they do try to honor the history of the Pirates, which is good. Yeah. They could do a better job, but they, you know, at least try. But the cool thing about Pittsburgh, so my buddy that lives about an hour northeast, close to Indiana, home of Jimmy Stewart, Indiana, mm-hmm. Pennsylvania, diehard Pirates fan, been a Pirates fan his whole life, season ticket holder for 22 years. He's ate up with baseball as much as I am. I went up to a Pirates game about six years ago and just happened to be sitting there by myself because I just, you know, like going to a game. Well, him and I started a conversation, and we've been best friends ever since. Randy's his name. Anyways, he's ate up with it as bad as I am. So we had planned on to where I was going to go up there and visit with him. Christy, she she didn't go. She wouldn't have made it because mm-hmm. – Randy and I did baseball stuff for three days. Anything that could happen in Pittsburgh that was baseball involved, we did it. Went to every former site. There were four different ballparks before PNC. Mm-hmm. We went to all the former sites, threw the baseball around. So Forbes Field, Three Rivers, Exposition Park, where the first ever World Series took place. Yeah. And Recreation Park, where the Pirates, well, Alleghenies played prior to Exposition in 1891. Uh, went to all those sites. Six Hall of Famers are buried around Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Honus Wagner went to his grave. Come Posey went to his grave. Went to uh, Pud Gal- Galvin's grave. Went to Barney Drivis's grave. Pie Trainer's grave. And Josh Gibson, Negro League Hall of Famer, mm-hmm. went to his grave. Remember him. So, But did you sell any... Uh, uh, places uh, for cemeteries or anything to him no. and, and do any uh, we had an easy time finding. all that time you were talking and you didn't even uh, Bubba would have been very angry with well, you <laughs> <laughs> let's take a quick break. I like this music <laughs> how are you feeling today more than an empty question, it's a real reminder to reach out to coworkers, friends, family, and neighbors. Remind them to get the care they need. Someone you know may be delaying important emergency care, chronic care, or emotional care. At Ascension St. Thomas, appointments are available now with strict precautions in place for your safety and our care. Ask about virtual visits. ERs at Ascension St. Thomas Hospitals are open 24-7. Get the care you need at GetSTHealthCare.com. It's about that time again for the 54th Annual Murfreesboro Antique Show and Sale coming up July 16th through the 18th. $7 gets you in for the whole weekend as you shop unique art, glass, china, crystal, and much, much more. Parking is free and food and beverages are available for purchase inside the venue. Catch all the action this year at the Middle Tennessee Expo Center on 1660 Middle Tennessee Boulevard in Murfreesboro. Your next great find is waiting for you at the 54th Annual Murfreesboro Antique Show and Sale July 16th through the 18th. MTSU Arts, together with Ascend Federal Credit Union, presents the MTSU Dance Program's Spring Concert. Our talented students and faculty are working together on safely bringing this performance to the Tucker Theater stage from April 22nd through April 24th. Visit mtsu.edu slash mtsuarts for more information on virtual showtimes. Visit mtsu.edu slash mtsuarts to learn more today. Now, an update from the WGNSRadio.com News Center. I'm Ron Jordan. Teachers throughout the state had a much tougher school year this past year due to COVID-19. Students had a much different learning experience. Representative Mark White, the Education Administration Committee Chair for the state of Tennessee, told News Radio WGNS summer school will soon begin. We set up summer learning bridge programs, summer school, tutoring, all the things that be going on this summer. We are blessed in Tennessee. We have the revenue to do this, and then there's been a lot of federal money come in. And so we're paying our teachers $1,000 a week to uh, conduct summer school four weeks of summer, and then tutoring programs, and then we're going We'll have a summer study at the end of September to look at some of the results, see what the data starts coming in and, and seeing if this helped. The educators who are teaching summer school in Rutherford County signed up for the challenge on their own and were now required to do so by the schools. They're sacrificing their summer to teach local students. 
The Murfreesboro Police Department says they've reassigned one of their officers following a police-involved shooting on Sunday. On Tuesday, Officer John Hinkle was moved to administrative duties while the TBI looks into the shooting, which left a suspect with non-life-threatening injuries. According to reports, Hinkle was involved in a standoff with the armed suspect near West Rutherford Boulevard, which ended with the shooting. No officers were injured during the confrontation. Sarahi Green was recently named Rutherford County's new domestic violence coordinator. Lotlow State Community College alum with a major in social work, Green began her career with the Domestic Violence and Sexual Assault Center in December of 2014 as a receptionist. In 2016, she was named court advocate and three years later became court department manager. She took over that role last month. I'm Ron Jordan reporting. News updates around the clock, when it breaks, and on demand at WGNSRadio.com. We are News Radio WGNS. Fleet Feet Murfreesboro is locally owned and operated, dedicated to providing superior fit, function, and style for Middle Tennessee runners and all fitness enthusiasts. This is Fleet Feet owner Krista Dugosh. We focus on providing you with the running and walking shoes that fit properly. Come see us at Fleet Feet, next door to Carabas. Adams Place Retirement Community is a part of National Healthcare Corporation. In 1971, the founder, Dr. Carl Adams, had a vision to provide higher quality health care for seniors. His dream was to create a campus concept that offered in-house services for residents as they age with different needs. Call 615-904-7100 and schedule a tour. Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website, and Alexa, or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on-demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com. Good neighbor weather. We'll see a few scattered showers and thunderstorms at times here this afternoon with cloudy skies high in the low 80s. Southwest winds are on 5 to 10 miles per hour. I'm meteorologist. Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 73. Premier Six Theater on Broad and Jackson Heights, showing all of your favorite movies. Call their hotline 896-4100 or go see a movie.com. Popcorn pop fresh daily. Their movie hotline 896-4100 or go see a movie.com. Premier Six on Broad and Jackson Heights. There is an underground civilization underneath of the North American continent. It's coast-to-coast AM overnight, every night on WGNS Murfreesboro. From NHC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS, FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. And welcome back with Thomas Booker. And you got a uh, very important phone call a minute ago from Harry Gill. I know, the one Bless and only. His heart. He's all over the place. I, I wish we, I'd have thought about having him on with you uh, today. That would be fun. Maybe the next time yeah. you have me on, maybe Harry can come too. Yeah. We'll wear Pirates jerseys and you can wear a Yankee jersey. But he's a... He's really, he doesn't do a good job picking teams. Anybody <laughs> that, that favorite team is the Pittsburgh Pirates. Now, there's got to be something wrong with it. In the 60s and 70s, though, it was a good time to be a Buckaroo. They were the luckiest team ever in a World Series that I have ever seen in my life. Cost Casey Stengel his job, didn't it? Yeah, and there were nowhere, anywhere close to as good as the Yankees were in that year. The Yankees outscored them big time. It was one of those stupid games or stupid series that just didn't make any sense at all. No, you're exactly right. And Tony Kubek should have been kicked all the way out of the stadium. He cost it, didn't he? Yes. Man couldn't catch the ball. I don't know. A shortstop for the New York Yankees. It it just uh, didn't make any sense. And they were a great team in 1960. If Phil Rizzuto had been there. uh, Scooter. Yes. Yeah. And their second baseman, the Pittsburgh Pirates, he was terrible. <laughs> and he hit a home run. I mean, it was unbelievable. He was a good defensive second baseman. Yeah, he's all right. He wasn't a great hitter. I mean, I kind of question him being in the Hall of Fame, but whatever. I mean, defensive-wise, there was no one better in the 1960s, I don't think, than Mazeroski. So, I think he won, won in 01. I'm sorry? You said... There was not a better second baseman. Defensive second baseman in the 1960s. 
Uh, how many teams were there back then? Mm, was it 20? 20? So there was at least 20 more. 20, I think. 20 better well, second basemen's than them. Yeah. If you don't start, oh, whatever. You're crazy. <laughs> whatever. Hey, when we were in Pittsburgh, I went to the Honus Wagner Museum. Yeah. And guess what I got to hold? A game-used Honus Wagner bat. They let me swing it. What what length was it? I don't know. I think it was 38 inches, though. It was a heavy bat. Yeah. Very heavy. I'm not for sure on the length, but it was kind of a weird-looking bat. I've got some pictures of it here. What's that bat that you had in, in that you showed me earlier? That was Paul Bunyan's bat. Oh. My friend Tim Watts gave it to me. Tim Watts does our casket. You look like Dan Whittle in that picture. You think so? Yeah. I thought it was Bill Mazeroski <laughs> holding a Honus Wagner bat. But it was a neat bat, though. At the Roberto Clemente Museum, I got to hold a Willie Stargell bat, and I got to hold a swing a Roberto Clemente bat. Wow. So it was kind of neat just getting to, you know, feel the DNA spirits on those bats. So now I have yeah. Honus Wagner DNA on me. Um. Roberto Clemente was on his way. He was taking some... Uh, relief supplies. Relief supplies that he was furnishing himself. To Nicaragua. Yeah, he he was one of those people that actually reached out to others when they were in need, which was pretty special. He did. And so I've never really... Family, I don't think, talks a whole lot about his death because, number one, it's been highly publicized. But, number two, I can't imagine losing my dad and then having to answer the media like, dude, I lost my dad, you know, just back off a while. Yeah. And the media, you know, <clears throat> even in 1972 there, in 73 when all that went down, I'm sure it's pretty hard on him. But uh, talking to Dwayne there at the uh, museum, it was pretty interesting. I didn't realize Roberto Clemente pretty much predicted his death, knew yeah. he was going to die, had made several references to it, um, told Willie Stargell, when I get killed here or die, you know, before too long, I want you to watch my children, mm -hmm. which Willie's like, dude, you're crazy. Ain't nothing going to happen to you. Well. I wonder if he had ever had any death threats. Uh-uh. And then. Not that I know of. Yeah. He just knew, I think, deep down that God had a plan for him. And what was really crazy, if you look in the playoffs when the Reds beat the Pirates in 1972, mm -hmm. there's a picture of Clemente. When the last out was recorded, Roberto standing on second base at Three River Stadium, looking up into heaven, kind of like thanking God for letting him play, like he knew that was the end of it. I mean, that's a spooky picture. Never really paid attention to it before until I was there at the museum. But what was even more bizarre was the plane that he got on mm -hmm. was a DC-7, and it was a hunk of junk. Yeah. I mean, there's a picture of it there at the museum. Dwayne's actually got part of the propeller. Carlos Beltran, who's from Puerto Rico, mm -hmm. you know, played for the Mets and the Yankees most famously, uh, helped get that propeller to the museum, which the only thing I ever thought they found was the of, of Roberto's was the, uh, his briefcase and a sock. But apparently, I didn't realize they found the plane. The pilot was still strapped in the seat, but they never found Roberto's body. That is strange. Don't ever know what happened to it. And... I guess wherever he took off in Puerto Rico to fly to Nicaragua, the ocean's basically like 20 feet deep for miles. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, continental shelf, boom, drops off. Well, when the plane crashed, it crashed on takeoff, which my dad said not common for a plane to do. Of course, mm -hmm. that hunk of junk could have been, you know, something else. Yeah. But when it went in the ocean, it went down on the continental shelf, so it was down in, you know, a couple hundred feet deep of water. Mm. I, I guess somewhere in there, but I think Manny Sanguin, who was—I didn't know this—he was actually a trained trained diver. He helped dive and tried to relocate the the wreckage. Mm -hmm. But I didn't know they found the plane. I didn't know that the pilot was still in the seat. So, you know, I had never heard that Clemente's body wasn't found. Yeah, lost at sea. Wow. Sure enough. So and then the Clemente family had all of his stuff. Apparently, Roberto never got rid of anything. Well, thankfully, Dwayne has this relationship with the family, and they have donated some of Roberto's stuff. Well, 
they've donated some to the museum, and then during the All-Star game a couple of years ago when it was played in Miami, the family auctioned everything off. Mm-hmm. So they don't have anything anymore. Oh, but a wow. lot of stuff back in the 70s and 80s, people would come to the house. They'd steal it. They'd ask to borrow it, never return it. So it was kind of sad. But fortunately, Dwayne has just done I mean, it's amazing. My buddy Randy kept on telling me, you got to see the Clemente Museum. you got to see it. And I'm thinking, I've been to a lot of museums, but it was impressive it was a walk back in time and i mean i was i was very shocked just a lot of the stuff he has i mean some of it was pretty rare some of it wasn't but it was still neat to see but if you're in pittsburgh i mean it's just you know you got all those hall of famers you got the wagner museum you got the clemente museum you got all those locations of the ballparks and pittsburgh itself is a good city i mean yeah, it's not like Philadelphia or some of those others that are. Yeah. Um, you don't you don't even want to go to some of those major cities. Well, we went all over Pittsburgh, and I felt safe everywhere. Josh Gibson's got a big mural, um, um, in Homestead, uh, Homestead mm-hmm. just just south of of Pittsburgh downtown, and they had just done it like three weeks ago, and I saw Josh Gibson's grand uh, great grandson Sean had posted it. So Randy and I, we went and checked it out, and it was it was really neat that they, you know, honored him. Uh, but then come Posey, like I was telling you, he's in the Hall of Fame. I think he was elected in 06, but he was the owner of the Homestead Grays. That's why he's in the Hall of Fame, but he's just down the street. But it's just so much history there. And yeah, you get to Philadelphia, North Philly, where, the, you know, Shy Park slash Connie Mack Stadium was yeah. and the Baker Bowl. That's bad, bad area. You can't even really go up there. It's kind of unsafe from what I've heard. Yeah, with all the historical things that happen in that area and then for it to go down as much as it has, you you, you think of, of all the the things that uh, we would read about in, in school sure. about Philadelphia and that's gone with the wind. I mean, it really is. There's a good ballpark book I read, and it's on baseball stadiums in Philadelphia. It's actually one of the, the best books on ballparks in general. I mm-hmm. learned so much information that I just kind of thought was lost to time. But in the ballpark, or in the in the, in the the book, when it's talking about Shy Park slash Connie Mack, mm-hmm. it was saying in like the mid to late 60s before it closed mm-hmm. that fans were like getting attacked by thugs around the ballpark and just it was very dangerous even back you know when you were just getting out of high school yeah so that whole area of town you know at one time of course teens 20s 30s it was the place to be a lot of industrial stuff and then it just you know kind of like tiger stadium in detroit Mm -hmm. municipal stadium in kansas city where the royals play or uh, athletics played a lot of those areas just you know went downhill and why in the world would they build ballparks in those type areas? Well, it back when they built it, them, it wasn't bad. It's just over you time. you think that the cities would make sure that those areas were taken care of because that's where a lot of their money's come from. I agree. I think, in the, I think in the 60s and 70s, I'm learning more and more. It's just a lot of bad things happened during that time. I mean, it was probably a fun time to grow up, but you just look back at, like, the pollution and stuff that was mm-hmm. going on. And no one thought nothing about it. I mean, you look at Cleveland and how bad it was up in Cleveland. But there was a lot of places around Newark, New Jersey that had radiation poisoning. And they just thought nothing of it. But then when they started finding out how bad it really was, they started doing the cleanups. But, you know, the good thing is there's a lot of cities now that, you know, I feel pretty safe going into. I mean, you look at Nashville. 20 years ago, different story. But now in Nashville... I feel pretty safe. I'd say over 90% of the city if I had to go somewhere at 2 o'clock in the morning. Mm. I wouldn't go down Murfreesboro Road there by the Drake Motel. Yeah, there's still a lot of areas in Nashville that you don't want to be. But it's a lot better than what it used to be. I think it is. I mm. just feel like they've cleaned up a whole lot, especially like there on Charlotte you know, Avenue and stuff where they used to have a lot of you know, shootings and things. But there's one thing that I've always kind of fell on as far as talking about cities and part of the country. There's something I, I can't go north of the Mason-Dixon line without getting a nosebleed. <laughs> it just there's just something about it. It's different. 
It's very different. Yeah. We're going to Chicago in two weeks, and of course, White Sox play it. I don't know what it's called now. They've that's t- not the safest city in the in the world. No, it's not. Of course, downtown I think's okay, and of course, going to the Sox I think will be fine. I mean, I've been there several times before, but you don't want to venture too far. You know, there on the south side, it's got some pretty rough areas. But then I've heard horror stories that there's a lot of shootings that happen up around Wrigley Field, and you know that's supposed to be fan-friendly, family-friendly yeah. area. And well, they're trying to get rid of their police up there. See, Every time they go that. out and arrest somebody and have to shoot them, they they want to throw them in the penitentiary. So I don't understand uh, that. Yeah, if people I think would just obey the police, I don't think the police would of make course. you know. We, we wouldn't be having all of this stuff. No. On. Of course, the TV's loving it. I oh, mean, they. The the media. Is I don't just know because I don't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> They're just. That, I, I don't watch it. I don't, just, I don't. I got rid of all of mine, big boy. You, I, I don't worry about it. We got a caller on the line. All right, caller. Welcome aboard with Thomas Booker. Well, I am a dear friend of both of you guys. This is Harry Gill. Oh Lord. <laughs> and I, 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 I want to tell you that it pains me immensely to hear you two whining about the 1960 Yankees losing to the Pirates. Truman was whining. I was not. The Pirates. I, 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 I think something pi- happened that was certainly wasn't miraculous. There was something that happened during that game. Well, it was. <laughs> I think it was fate, uh, and actually. I've told Truman before that the first game I ever saw, I was five years old when I went to Forbes Field with my father, who was raised about 70 miles from Pittsburgh, and I've been a Pirate fan all my life. And, you know, Pittsburgh is the city of champions, the Penguins, the Pirates, and the Steelers. (laughs) And uh, I I do want to help Thomas along. Thomas, you are right. Bill Mazeroski is a Hall of Famer, and he was probably the best defensive second baseman uh, during his era, so uh, I needed to help Truman along on that one. <laughs> Thank you very much. You're That's why and I tried telling other, him he wouldn't. He wouldn't take it to the bank. One other so, thing: my mother was born and raised in Philly, and, and you're right; it's not what it once was. She actually was raised in a place. I went to the same high school as Wilt Chamberlain did. Of course, he was younger. Uh, He's a little taller than you too. Grew, grew up near a place called Bryn Mawr, which is where Catherine Hepburn went to college. But uh, Oh, wow. Yeah, it was pretty neat. But at any rate, uh, I enjoyed listening to you guys. And Thomas has such a wonderful knowledge of baseball. It's, uh, it's real impressive. The history's good because you can't ever change it. Oh, they try. They try, but not in my book. Well, I didn't mean to butt into you guys' time. I just wanted to say hi, and I'm enjoying listening to you. You know, Bill Kennedy uh, played football in Pittsburgh. I didn't. What, high school football? Yes, yes, he did, and then he came here to play at MTSU. I don't think I knew that. Hey, Harry, did you know uh, Recreation Park, where the Pirates first played, was also Uh, the site of the first ever NFL game? I, I don't know, Tom, Thomas, to be honest with you. No, it was. Uh, I will tell you this. we, uh, My son Harrison and I went up to uh, – we make, made an annual trip to Columbus to see the almighty Buckeyes play and then went on to Three Rivers – or, pardon me, Hinesville to see the Steelers. And Quit the shaking your head, Truman. The city of Pittsburgh is a gorgeous city. It's amazing. Yeah, it was one the backdrop's priceless. Steel mills, yeah, but it's it's they've cleaned it up. And they have beautiful bridges, and I'd encourage anyone to visit it. I felt very safe. I had a Peroni, delicious. Oh yeah, it was good. One of the great sandwiches you can get, isn't that right, Thomas? Oh man, amazing. Would you eat one? Well, maybe if we if we can get. Truman I don't even know of, what it is. Out of the, if we get Truman out of Rutherford County, we'll take him up there someday. What kind of meat do they put on that? I think they've got multiple sandwiches. They always cap it off with a – they put eggs on all their sandwiches and – French fries, know, just, coleslaw. I think there are seven of them in Pittsburgh and one in Florida, I believe. It's amazing. Yeah. Does that count for the one at PNC? 
Uh, yeah, I think so. Oh, they're amazing. Well, let, let me let you guys get back to what you were doing. I just, I just wanted to offer up a crying towel because the Yankees lost the sixty series. <laughs> He's just shaking his head. He always wants to get the last word in. I, uh, Harry has never changed. <laughs> Bless his heart. I, I, He's I, good as gold, though, isn't he? Yes, he is. He's one of the best friends I've ever had. And Pirate uh, gold. Yeah. And uh, he, he, he has had a lot of education over the years. And everybody knows that he was our superintendent of schools here in Rutherford County. And I think probably he probably learned more when he was the uh, the the manager of uh, Smyrna mm-hmm. back in, in in not too long ago. Actually, I think he's been retired about four years, maybe uh, something like that. About four. But uh, I'm glad he could come back and serve Smyrna, though. I think Mary Esther had to smack him around a few times. She'd take him back there in the <laughs> in the torture room and smack him around. I don't think Harry Gill lets anyone smack him around. No. <laughs> oh, no, I was going to talk about the old days, but I'm not. I'm, I'm going way away from that right now. But... Uh, uh, Harry grew up in a, in, a, in a real good time, uh, and so did I. I. The trouble with you, Thomas, is you will your era that you've been raised in. You missed the golden years uh, of the fifties and the sixties. I know. Uh, I mean, I'm trying to get that was, time machine. Well, life was real back then. It really was, and you had a lot of friends and. And where you live, people would look out for each other, and um, a lot. We, we didn't even know what keys to houses were back then. Yeah. I mean, the door was wide open, and and you'd always tell your neighbors if you need anything, just go on in and get it. It's it's a, a whole different world. Yeah. I I wish I wish we had stayed in, under that type of uh, thinking process back in today's world. I'm with you 100 percent. It's just kind of sad that it's no longer like that. But, you know, I I guess try and relieve it, I guess, just through the baseball history, though. I mean, because you can kind of, you know, pick a decade and read about it. And, you know, I like reading player biographies because, again, you relive that time period. Yeah. It's just neat to do it. I'm reading a book right now on Horace Stoneham, who was the owner of the Giants. His dad bought the Giants for him. And, you know, he was the owner for about 20, well, longer, probably about 40 years, but ended up moving him to the West Coast in 1958. So far, it's a good book, though. I like it. What's your favorite baseball movie? Uh, I like Field of Dreams. It's a good one. I like Major League. Just, you know, it's kind of goofy, different. Yeah. Um, Field of Dreams. Um, I like kinda. several. Hit it. Uh, James Earl Ray. James Earl Jones. James Earl Jones, you're right. I like the Sandlot because he's in that also. Yeah. When he starts talking about baseball mirrors what this country is, the way it's grown and and, uh, everything, and he says, but baseball is the one thing that never changed. True. Yeah. They're trying to change it now. But they're a little bit off. I mean... uh, uh, the game itself was a perfect game. It's still the same size for, as far as the infield sure. and everything like that. No matter how fast some of the players were, they can still get thrown out with a good play from shortstop and third base. I'm not a fan of the umpires, or I'm sorry, the replays. I wish it was just more umpires. Yeah, but hey. It hurts some of the integrity, I think. But for some reason... Uh, Umpires in baseball, or you can take uh, uh, referees in basketball, they can still win a game for oh, they somebody. Can. They can. And, and that's the thing. It's uh, When they start calling strikes, it's a foot outside or, or whatever. It, 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 they miss a lot of calls. They really do. I know. And But... It, it just never seemed like it was a problem. It's never going to be a perfect game, no, no matter what. it's not. 
but they just try and do all these changes to it to, you know. The other thing I don't like is how they have to have a clock now. I don't yeah. like how they get to automatically walk a batter That's instead ridiculous. of throwing. Oh, that was the worst thing they ever came up with. Well, the worst thing I think they ever came up with was putting a runner on second in extra innings. Yeah. That really hurts the integrity of the game. Yeah. But, you know, like I said before, and I don't care if he's listening, and I'm sure he's not, but if the commissioner of baseball was listening, I would just say the only reason he's doing all this is he's trying to put a plant holder where he can go into the Hall of Fame one day, I think. Same thing with Bud Seeley. And Bud Seeley, you know, he did do a lot of good things for baseball, but he also did a lot of bad things for baseball. And, you know, they still honored him with the Hall of Fame. And I just, I don't know. I think it's kind of stupid. Television is the reason that the game's longer. Mm-hmm. They do all their commercials and everything. And that's what I don't like. No, I don't like it at all. I think the 1948 World Series playoffs between the Red Sox and the Indians, I think it was like an hour and 45 minutes long. Mm. That was it. Yeah. And then now, you know, they play a game and it's three and a half hours, but it's not because, you know, they're having to go to the bullpen and change out pitchers. It's, you know, commercial break. The players come in off the field – they hang out for a minute or two, and they come back on the field. I mean, mm-hmm. they're just taking their time. Yeah. The hustle's not there like it used to be, I don't think. And, but, and the ballparks all had their own little characteristic. They did. It, and they've kind of got back to that. I mean, you know, there when the cookie cutters in the 1960s yeah. kind of took a lot of that away. But, you know. Wouldn't you like to be out there in, in – uh, in Boston and be able to be in the scoreboard and, and put all the, be the runs up and things like that. Be hot, but it'd be fun. Yeah. yeah. There or a Wrigley Field would be kind of cool too. Probably more Boston because that scoreboard's more, you know, it's, it's a lot older than, than Wrigley yeah. Field, but it would be neat to. Well, I tell you what's fun. There's a lady here at Adams Place. She's from Brooklyn. Is she really? And when she was young, she would go watch the Dodgers play. Really? Yeah. Dim bums. Dim bums. And she she could recite back when the the Dodgers just pretty much sold the city out and, and went to L.A. Yeah. And uh, and how it changed Brooklyn and and everything just uh, it it became a different city after that. On December the 6th, 1941, the St. Louis Browns were on the verge of moving to Los Angeles. Mm. It was going to happen. And guess what happened December 7th? Pearl Harbor. Yeah. And What does that have to do with that? Well, no, I was just going to say the Browns were going to move to Los Angeles uh-huh. and be the St. Louis Browns. Yeah. They were moving to Los Angeles, and they were going to be the West Coast team. Yeah. But, Isn't it kind of funny when you think back of how many cities actually had two teams? Of course, New York had three teams. New York had time. three. Philadelphia had two. Yeah. Uh, St. Louis had two. Yeah. It was pretty much centered up there except for, you might say, St. Louis. I mean, there weren't any southern teams back well, then. It's kind of funny reading some of these older books because they talk about the, the western like division. Mm-hmm are going out west, and it's to St. Louis. It's not going to California. It's, you know, that was a long trip from New York. I think it was, well, I don't even know what the train ride was. But it was the national game. Mm -hmm. I mean, baseball, um, it it trumped everything, every sport back in those days. It did. And I I kind of um, wish it still had that same feel. Uh, The the drama of, of... Casey at the bat getting stepping up to the plate and if he still, was the man. Oh, I agree. If it still had that same feel though, I, I don't think we'd appreciate it as much. Oh, I would. I mean, I think I think I would, but I think just as a whole, I don't think people would appreciate that time for what it was. Have you noticed that the um, people who are watching games on television have really dipped? 
they're losing money. I mean, oh, a yeah. lot of them are losing a ton of money. And if ESPN goes broke, so be it. I would that would not bother me. I'm about I, over ESPN. I would. I, that's one of the reasons I quit uh, watching sports on television. They don't give the news; they give their opinion. Yeah. And you know, back in the '90s, growing up, my mom used to record a lot of baseball games for me. But I remember. 7.30 had a game, which I grew up in Ohio, so I was Eastern time. But then 10.30, you had the West Coast game. Mm -hmm. So I had two games on Wednesday nights. And then, of course, you always had Sunday night baseball at 8 yeah. o'clock, 7 o'clock here. But John Miller and uh, Joe Morgan, too, I remember calling the games. And, of course, you know, being younger and growing up with them, I enjoyed them. And I met Joe Morgan several times and thought he was a great person. Super He's a nice. Pretty fair second baseman. Not too Cincinnati. bad. Yeah. Best ever? I don't know. No. Oh, how many times are you gonna tell me best ever on the second base? You and Harry both. Rogers Hornsby. I think Brad would agree. Well, that's not what uh uh my buddy was saying a minute ago. No, your buddy Harry. was saying best this defensive second baseman in the nineteen sixties. Yeah. But there was no better defensive second baseman. Than whom? Bill Mazeroski. Oh, he was fair. <laughs> All right, let's wrap up the show. All right, fine. They, they got the sign up here, and we, we got to go home anyway. Well. All right, guys, we'll see you in the morning. From NHC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard. It's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS, FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com.